0: this is Tiffany Bova. Welcome to this edition of the What's Next podcast, where I have the wonderful honor and pleasure to welcome Ranjay Gulati to the show today. He is a professor at Harvard and an expert on leadership strategy and organizational growth. Until recently, he chaired the Advanced Management Program, the school's flagship senior leader executive program. He has also authored seven books, including his latest, um, which I'm super excited to talk about today, Deep Purpose. He has been ranked as one of the top 10 most cited academics in the fields of economics and business. He was awarded the Best Professor Award at Northwestern University Kellogg School of Management, where he taught prior to joining Harvard. He's a native of India, holds a PhD, plus a ton of other degrees from MIT and others. So welcome to the show, Ranjay.
1: Thank you, Tiffany. It's my pleasure to be here with you today.
0: All right, so we're gonna start off with bullish and bearish because it's the only way that we start this show. It sort of forces an answer, which I know is difficult sometimes, but we're gonna give it a shot. So bullish is you're for it, bearish as you are against it. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right, the first one, AI learning deep purpose. Bullish. Oh, I can't wait to talk about it. Okay, next one. The planet is a key stakeholder bullish. Good answer. All right. The third one, a little more fun, colonizing space. Bullish or bearish?
1: I'm bearish.
0: Okay. I hope we're not around. (laughs) Like, I I don't know. It's hard enough to fly, you know, all the way to there and here, but I don't know about like, let's hold a meeting in space today. Uh, I'm not sure.
1: (laughs) I mean, just think about it. uh, The the ludicrous nature of the premises. Let's keep destroying our planet as fast as we can, and let's spend all our energy finding other places where we can go and destroy them too.
0: What a great thing to say. You know, for anybody who watched the Super Bowl um, and or the Olympics, there was a great Salesforce ad talking about Team Earth with Matthew McConaughey flying away in a, you know, hot air balloon talking about, hey, hey, like, let's focus on Team Earth before we try to figure out other things. So couldn't agree more. Well said. Well, let's start at the top. You know, I think that this topic of deep purpose—I mean, it was great timing. You know, your book came out in 2022, uh, February, and it is now much more of the conversation. And so, I'd love to start at the top of. There has been a lot of discussion at the executive layer, and books, and conversations, and TED talks, et cetera, about how much purpose is important. But I think that there's been a lot of purpose whitewashing as well. So maybe lead us to where you might agree that we've kind of crossed a chasm that the conversation now is much more real than it probably was in the past.
1: Well, let's think about it. Purpose is a layered construct. The first highest level you talk about purpose as kind of a saving capitalism, the purpose of business and society. Then you say, okay, let me take it on a level to individual companies. And what is your purpose, Facebook? What is your purpose, Spotify? And then we can take it at the individual level. What's my purpose? And even for me, what's my purpose in my work, my career, and my life? So purpose is this layered idea, and and somehow I think we're all coming at it at the same time at different levels of analysis. I'm gonna start with the individual level first. What everyone is calling is the great resignation that is going on around us. I think there's something deeper around it. COVID has made us much more introspective about our lives, about our work. What am I doing? Why am I doing it? And look what we have. And everyone is calling it the great upgrade. Just pay them more money. I think it's the great rethink. We're asking ourselves basic questions about my own purpose in life. So there's a kind of a real investigation going on at the individual level. Now, let's take it up a notch to organizations. Not only are we facing tremendous flack, rightfully so sometimes, from other stakeholders, investors, um, environmentalists, but also customers, employees, demanding that companies take a stand on ESG related issues. And beyond that, I want to know what's our purpose as a company? Why do we exist? Like, who are we serving, really? And I want to work for a company I can feel a sense of pride about. So you have employee pressure. You have customers saying, I trust brands that really stand for something. So you've got customer pressure, right? You have big suppliers and other ecosystem partners also demanding more. So we have pressure on the organization to say, hey, what are you here for? Now, you know, I definitely really wanted a book with a one word title. I had been told that, you know, one word title and I was going to call it purpose. I couldn't, and I ended up calling it deep purpose because I encountered too many instances of superficial. purpose. There were so many that I had to come up with the taxonomy of superficial purpose. And that's why to distinguish these companies that I was looking at, I had to call the book deep purpose because only a few companies find a way to go deep with purpose.
0: And why do you think that is? You know, I happen to, as I mentioned about that Super Bowl ad, I work someplace where our co-CEO is all about purpose over profit. Forget about profit, <laughs> not let's ignore profit, right? Obviously, but that purpose is at the front and center of of what we do. And trust is sort of another one. And so I think those two things are hand in hand, trust and purpose. Would you agree?
1: So look, I'm you, this purpose has been hijacked the word it was first hijacked as purpose is shareholder value and now it's become purpose is anything but shareholder value or purpose or profit even purpose and profit is a little can be confusing to some because that means that you know i am the point i learned was purpose and profit go hand in hand purpose is an enabler of profit and growth i for 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 25 years of my career, I've studied growth and profitability of companies. That's what I've been studying. And I kept hearing about purpose as an enabler of this, and I kind of like let it go thinking, oh, purpose is like mission statements. This wallpaper, no, nah, that can't be relevant. And I've come to realize that some companies, only a few who understand what purpose really is, and there's a lot of purpose confusion, figure out that purpose is a catalyst for profitable business. It's not a tax on business. It's not a kind of like, okay, we got to give away some money. Let's run a foundation on the side. Purpose itself energizes businesses. Now, to explain that, I had to figure out how does it energize businesses? And that was a whole other endeavor in and of itself. And I can talk about that.
0: Yeah, and I think in our case, it definitely galvanizes employees. It gives sort of something people can rally around. It's talked about in all the decisions that we make, whether it's the buildings we build, are they net zero, the products we build, are they you know ethical and humane use of technology? Are they, you know, lots of examples of where that manifests itself in reality or in action. But I also find that to your point, there's so much confusion. People feel like it's an either or, and we have to choose one over the other, and it's at the expense of the other. And it isn't just one thing (laughs) it is the combination of lots of things
1: so I had to learn this was hard for me Tiffany. I got confused I have to tell you I was so confused myself about this the first thing I learned was purpose is not the same as purpose statements right writing a mission statement is one thing actually living your purpose is a whole different story in and of itself I had to come to realize that then I had to overcome the idea that purpose is win-win That it is magical. It's when you can do good and do well at the same time. And I discovered what I discovered was what is called the messiness of purpose. It's about trade offs. You have to make hard choices. You have to walk the razor's edge where some of you are going to offend some stakeholders at the expense of others. And hopefully in the end, you'll find a way to balance it all out. But that's, there's no getting around that. Then I discovered that people have been trying to empirically, academics like myself, we're trying to measure purpose, right? Saying, hey. You know, what's happening? Uh, how do you measure purpose, right? Uh, and what's going on over there? And let's try to correlate that with performance. I, I wasn't, I'm, I'm, I'm involved in that endeavor, but I want to just understand one thing more, is that there were actual pathways I found. There were four pathways in which purpose can actually energize performance. The first one you already nailed down, which was the purpose is motivation, right? It galvanizes employees, Right. The second one was purpose is directional. It's like a compass. It orients you in the right direction and saying, where are we going and how are we going to do this? Right. The third was reputational, which you said customers care about trust in brand that believe in something. And the fourth was relational connecting to your stakeholders in your community, your suppliers, your other partners, your investors. So to me, the hopeful message was there are some companies that understand what purpose is they then realize that purpose actually can improve your profit potential it's good for business and good for everything else around you and it allows you to be a better citizen who can deliver greater value for your shareholders for your customers for your employees and everybody around you at the same time you have to walk the trade-off it's you know a great example of that was etsy Etsy was a story of what you were saying, social purpose with no commercial purpose. And then they get a CEO who comes in and says, we're a non-viable business. We can't not be, we can't be losing money and saying, we're social. So let us keep losing money and investors, please go away, leave us alone. We're busy, busy doing social things. How do you reset the business to be commercially viable and socially engaged? And it's this commercially viable and socially engaged that i think is key and i think is if you look at companies at scale like microsoft is a good example of that where they've said we're going to be commercially viable we have to deliver for our shareholders and we have to be socially engaged and how do we connect those two with each other very very hard to do and i wish i would say to you that the majority of companies are doing it they're not but they're losing out on the potential
0: Absolutely. One of the top things that personally I get asked when I'm traveling around the world talking to, you know, leaders of small, medium and, you know, sort of global 2500 companies is how do we turn the corner to um, be more like you guys? It is very consistent globally. The messaging is consistent. Doesn't always translate sometimes in some of the things we do as a US-based company. But I would say that collectively there is alignment. And I always say to people that look, there is this short term performance and kind of long term value you're trying to drive. And your people are part of that journey. Your partners are part of that journey. Your communities are part of that journey. And so, what are you doing? How are you doing it? Why are you doing it? And is it consistent? Do people go, hmm, we're about to make a decision to do something? Does that align to the values of the brand? Does that does that sound like something we would do or say? And if it isn't, people immediately go, nope, and move on. They kind of know what those guardrails are. But it was founded that way. So 23 years later, it's not like you have to find your way to it. It's the way it's always been. And so I think that's a difficult thing to say to executives who have an existing culture. I'm just going to use that as a big umbrella term. And now they have to try to go i want to be more purpose driven i want to be more socially driven i don't know where to begin so if someone is now saying to your point right this kind of reset reskill resignation it's really this rejuvenation of businesses what are the couple of things you can say to people who know they need to make this journey where to begin well first
1: of all you made a very interesting observation that founder-led organizations have an easier time especially when this thing is baked into their dna from the get-go Right. And by the way, those companies struggle when the founder leaves, because so much of this is baked into the persona of the founder. And we saw that with Starbucks where the when when Howard Schultz left and he came back and he, what did he say? Starbucks has lost its soul. Right. And, and so there's a lot of this kind of founder led founder inspired conversation that I think is important. And I think, and you, you're right. The question is how do you sometimes have to rediscover your purpose? And you can see that this purpose decay happens a lot in companies johnson and johnson iconic company with the credo the one of the first companies with this credo statement during tylenol crisis they looked at it and said what would our credo tell us to do and they did it the right thing and then you have a decade of scandals about 20 odd years ago right congressional testimony by the ceo paying fines shutting down factories and you're like what happened and then you have a ceo coming and saying, let's look at our purpose again Right, so you have this purpose revival, rejuvenation, if you will, in happening, and then there's hope. Even in the Microsoft case, if you read Satya Nadella's book, you know, it's called Reset Rediscovering the Soul of Microsoft, right? So you're talking about read oh, or Lego, the turnaround of Lego. You know, Jürgen Bognutstrop, you know, when he turned around Lego, the idea was let's go back to the founding principles of why this company was founded in the first place now. So I think it's important to recognize that there is a purpose decay and that we need to refresh sometimes. Now you use the word culture and, and I would actually think of culture and purpose as two very distinct ideas. And I bring it up because a lot of times purpose gets subsumed under culture. You know, culture is kind of the residual for a lot of things, but let's think of, that. So what is it? There's strategy at the bottom, which is what you do, right? Sitting above that is culture, values, and so forth, which is how you do it. Sitting above that is purpose, which is why you do it. And so the why question, though having said that, in a lot of organizations I went to, they said purpose and culture are the two constants we want to make sure kind of are consistent in our time. We'll change them once in a while. We'll do a refresh. But they are the consistent elements, strategy changes or design changes, a lot of things will change, but culture and purpose need to work together. And ultimately, you need to bake your purpose into your cultural rhythms. And that, I think, is absolutely true as well.
0: And I think that's where that purpose whitewashing happens a lot, right? Are you aligning to the UN's SDGs? you know, are you aligning to net zero? Are you putting out scorecards? Is it a metric? You're just trying to check the box for bonuses to say, yep, we're doing it. But when push comes to shove, we're still not using recyclable materials. We're still not looking at our carbon footprint because lots of businesses have built themselves on a foundation that is no longer a, I guess, a positively viewed purpose or culture, right? Or mechanism, right? You have to make the, the money and the profit and all of those things. Yes. But do you have to, you know, if it's five cents extra for you to use a recyclable bottle, are you going to do it or not do it?
1: So, yeah, exactly. And I think is so Tiffany, I, I have a problem that I think frustrates me a little bit is, first of all, we've confused purpose with having a purpose statement. And in fact, Financial Times had a really interesting article called titled The Baffling Search for Purpose in Purpose Statements. So that's the first thing that, you know, yeah, having a purpose statement is important and is a good thing. But and the second thing is what you call purpose washing. So once companies zeroed in on this, they started parading purpose statements. Theranos's purpose was to facilitate the early detection and prevention of disease and empower people everywhere to live their best possible lives. Purdue pharmaceutical was compassion for patients and excellence in science inspired our pursuit of new medicines. And I can go on and on, even Enron. Had up. And these companies conveniently parade their purpose and it plays into the hands of cynics who say, you know what, this is all purpose washing. This is all virtue signaling. This is a scam. This is business that is all new. And, and in the process, business plays into this. And then there is a self-fulfilling prophecy. They conclude that, oh, this is another PR game we can play. And I find it sad because there's such an underutilized benefit of purpose. And this is not new. A hundred years ago, companies were using, they had to have a, they were legally mandated to have a purpose statement, right? And they actually believed in it. 1930s, we had a professor at Harvard Business School, Chester Barnard, who talked about the function of the executive as being around aligning everybody around a purpose, a common cause. Peter Drucker, 1972, talked about this idea. If you look at Jim Collins and Jerry Porras' book on Built to Last, they talked about purpose. So there's been an ongoing theme of this idea that businesses should have a purpose. The purpose should encompass and at the same time transcend shareholders. And when you do that, good things happen for you. And purpose is also a proxy, a forcing mechanism to get you to think long term. I think part of what I think you, you should understand is why do investors such as Larry Fink and others talk about purposes? Look, they're saying, hey, think about short term results, but think about long term. The reason why Blockbuster failed was they weren't willing to think long term, you know? And so if you don't think sustainability today, you're going to be out of business. So you better start imagining how do you think your business is going to be impacted by ESG. And that's good for business.
0: So look. let me ask you, what, what do you think is a good, you know, you can go down the rabbit hole of you can't manage what you don't measure, which I'm not necessarily a fan of.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. um,
0: we can talk about another time, but let's talk about the metric, right, the management, because sometimes people have a greater ability to align to something when they go, okay, I understand. This is how my role plays a part in X. And I'm going to get managed and measured Y. So that ultimately the result is Z as an example, right? <laughs> that if if sometimes some of this is the soft stuff, sometimes this stuff is the, you have to believe in that long-term. You have to align to the fact that business can be the greatest platform for change, if you allow it to be. So what, what are the types of things you advise clients, you know, executives, but also students, right? You're teaching the next generation of leadership. So what is it that you would say to them as ways you can start to operationalize some of this, especially for those naysayers that don't believe this is something that they should be paying attention to at all?
1: Yeah. So I think you're getting to the heart of the problem here, Tiffany. First of all, let's start with measurement. Since you mentioned measurement, so, you know, what is the classic theory of measurement? You want to measure something, you can measure it directly. So you can measure how purposeful are we? And we ask ourselves that question, how purposeful are we? Another way to measure purpose is by asking what are the antecedents that go into purpose? So what are the precursors? I might want to look at our HR systems and whatever else, and I can look at outcomes, our ESG scores, our sustainability impact, our environment, employee satisfaction, our glass door ratings, blah, blah, blah. So we have to ask ourselves: what are we measuring? Now, I figured the best way I have discovered to study measurement was actually a lot of companies struggle with this, struggle with this. So you have some companies like Etsy putting out three indices. They said, we're going to have our financial reporting and we're going to have our sustainability report. And on that, they have three things they're measuring. One is diversity and inclusion. And they have a concrete number. We're gonna measure our environmental impact. They have a concrete number, right? And we're gonna measure economic impact for our sellers for whom we exist. And we're gonna have a concrete number. We're gonna have audited results. We're gonna put out with our financials every year. Bang, there you are. Then I looked at Ernst & Young, EY. And EY, who, who better to ask than an accounting firm on how to measure stuff, right? Especially stuff that's hard to measure. They did, I think, a phenomenal job in coming up with saying, how are we going to measure the value we create? After all, you can only capture value if you create value. So how do we think about the value we're going to create? And they came up with four dimensions of value. And then they said, every partner will be measured and rewarded on these four dimensions. It used to be on one dimension, which is financial value only. Now they're measuring four and partners willingly signed on to it. Well, not all of them. Some did leave. So you have to start asking the measurement question, but I think measurement is part of a larger enterprise of rewiring the corporation as I would put it, because I want us to think about the idea that purpose can be an operating system. The classic framework we teach in business schools about organizational structuring measurement performances, there are hard levers and soft levers. The hard levers are structure and process, and the soft levers are people and culture. Now, what if you put purpose into the middle of all this? How does that change your cultural rhythm? How does that change your people systems? Hiring, training, rewarding, socializing, orienting, everything. How does it change your structure and processes? And I actually had to really delve into this very, very carefully. Because I found that those companies, the few that actually use purpose as kind of an operating system have a different way of structuring themselves. They have much more empowered environments. They are much more collaborative systems in place, right? You understand, look at how the, 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 fine tuning of their people, hiring and rewarding and training systems are. You see the culture, I look at, I'll just take culture for instance. So I took all the 18 companies I studied and I said, let me look at all the cultural beliefs in all these 18 companies. Are they common themes? And I found two that stood out, sense of responsibility and sense of trust, mutual trust. And so you start to see organizations creating rhythms around their purpose. So you're absolutely right. I think it's one thing to have purpose intellectually, and another order to have it in the organization, by the way, there's some fascinating research by a colleague of mine who's looked at purpose inside a company and McKinsey did a similar study this last year as well. There's a purpose, exponential decay in purpose. As you go down the organization chart, senior leaders might even get it. They'll bond over it. They might even have an offsite and they'll keep talking about it. But when you go down into the organization, what happens there? Do they really get purpose? Is it part of their daily repertoire? Is it how they think about work? That is the the place where this thing starts to fall apart.
0: Yeah, I think it starts uh, with leadership, but I think you nailed it. Uh, I think that many leaders um, and this is a general statement globally, but many leaders are completely disconnected from the realities of their frontline people. Like they're so far away from that individual contributor located 5,000 miles away, doing something on some small little project that they don't know if, to your point, if that diminishing return on purpose, if that individual employee doesn't even understand what it is, number one, understand how their role plays a part, number two, number three, are my measured, all the things you just talked about, they're sort of disconnected from that responsibility of it to what you just said and also the I don't I don't necessarily trust what the executives are saying. And so I feel like there's a huge responsibility at the leadership layer, you know, the sort of executive team and maybe one or two layers down, sort of VP and above kind of a thing, to make sure that this is a constant part of the conversation. It's not a once of the year kickoff. It's not, you know, something that a slide presentation that gets sent around. It is embedded in everything they do.
1: Well, I, great point, Tiffany. And first of all, I agree with you. But think about it. I think leaders struggle with how do I communicate and connect to my subordinates? Like, what am I going to say to them? Give them a speech about my annual strategy, our business business plan this year, or our annual report this year. What do I talk to them about? And what I found was purpose gives you something wonderful to connect on. It allows them to, in a very simple way, understand what our business stands for. And I found that some of the most fascinating leaders are big storytellers. They talk about purpose in a story form. They talk about it in personal terms, right? I'll go back to Satya Nadella. He talks a lot about his son having cerebral palsy and how as a parent he had to learn to develop deep empathy and understanding for others constraints and situations and how that permeates what he does as a leader. And I think this is the kind of How do you then connect it to them and say, let me help you understand how we are a team. And now, now I'll give you, you mentioned football. So I'll talk about the Seattle Seahawks. So one of the companies I studied actually wrote a case on was the Seattle Seahawks with Pete Carroll. Now, of course they were not in the Super Bowl; They didn't have a good season this year, but Pete has a really amazing philosophy about how he coaches and how he makes purpose personal how he connects it to the culture of the team, how he makes people feel connected and belonging members of the team. How does it translate from an ideal for him to everybody in the organization? I think this is a hugely important point. How do you cascade purpose into the organization?
0: Well, Ranjay, this has been such a fantastic conversation that I could keep going and going and going, right? Because I'm super passionate about how companies Uh, It's wonderful for me to see how companies are grappling with this question, with this challenge that employees in many ways have put up in front of them because of what has happened over the last two years. And so do I think we solved it in the last 30 minutes? I don't think so, but I hope it raised some really great questions that you can ask yourself individually. What's your purpose? Does that align? Is that where you wanna work? Do they share your values uh, and the things you wanna do? But also as leaders how can you start making those first steps to connect everybody around a shared purpose so for that Ranjay, i really thank you for spending time with us today on the what's next podcast besides saying everybody go run out and get a copy of the book deep purpose that that ronjay launched this year how else can people keep in touch with you and your work
1: well the easiest way is to find me on linkedin where i'm very active now and you can also go to the website I have. Actually, I summarized the book in a series of videos uh, on the book website called deeppurpose.net. And so you're welcome to go there and engage with the content. I really wanted my, my goal here is to get the message out that all of us can and should have purpose. We should not be selling ourselves short. We should not be selling our time short. I mean, I, one person I interviewed told me, she said, ask, I asked myself, what is my time worth? what am i worth and if i can only put a number on that i'm really selling myself short i am worth more than a number and and that's the question we all need to ask ourselves right and then we and as leaders we are we should be willing to provide that for the employees who work for us you work here for more than a paycheck we pay you well but you work here for more than a paycheck
0: Well said. Well, my purpose today was to share the amazing insights, uh, Ranjay Gulati. And so once again, please go out and get a copy of his book, Deep Purpose. Again, I'm grateful for you spending time with us here today. Thank you again for joining me on the What's Next podcast.
1: Thank you so much, Tiffany. It's my pleasure to be here with you today and uh, really appreciate the conversation.
0: What a fantastic conversation with Ranjay. I love this conversation and topic around deep purpose. I think it is a company's true north. For sure, it's an employee's true north. If you've ever heard me tell the story, it's one of the number one reasons I joined Salesforce almost six years ago. So I think if you can, as a leader, find purpose in what you do and make sure that aligns to what the company is doing, as well, make sure your people know what their purpose is and how their role day in and day out serves to the greater betterment of the company and your broader shareholder community. So once again, thank you for joining me for this edition of the What's Next podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, leave some feedback, share with your friends, but more than anything, have an amazing rest of your day. Thank you for spending a little bit of time with me.